0: This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. If you're new, uh, jumping in on this series with us, we are in a series called Check the Gauges. And we're looking at five gauges uh, for our wellness Uh, And how it ties to ministry effectiveness. We believe at this church that every member is a minister. And we believe to be healthy means you're going to effectively minister. Last week, we looked at the first gauge, the physical gauge. Today, we're talking about the emotional gauge. We're going to talk about emotional exhaustion. We're going to talk about emotional flooding, emotional safety... And my prayer is that you and I would learn a new spiritual discipline today that we take into our lives because we have become very good as a culture at venting. Like whining, complaining, we do it online, we do it in relationships, and it actually has a lot of negative effects and can cause damage to a relationship. We're not looking at a discipline called venting. Today we're looking at the biblical practice of lamenting. And in our worship, I'm encouraged lately to see more worship songs coming out where, yes, we pour out our hearts to the Lord. We pour out pain that we are experiencing in life, but we always end it with a confession of trust, who God is and what he has done. And so we've been looking at these gauges. Last week, we looked at the physical gauge, and I know there are some of you in here right now that this gauge right here and where we have the red line represents where your heart and soul is at this very moment. You're depleted. You're exhausted. And you know you're, you're not getting your best sleep because of it. And these two work and are linked together. Some of you are depleted emotionally. And you'll tonight, because of that, you'll get online and start online shopping and creating a financial crisis. So come back next week. We're going to talk about why we need some reserve in the tank and to be healthy financially so we can be better stewards and we can give more to what God is doing uh, in our community and in our families and around the world. And you know that the emotional exhaustion, depletion has led to relationship strife and then we're going to end the last week with our spiritual gauge. Now, I, uh, med- mental health experts say there's, uh, especially in the last three years, there's a lot of Exhaustion among all the trades, among all the professions, among all the jobs and careers. But they've listed the five professions at greatest risk for emotional exhaustion. The top of the list is educators, our teachers. And we know what you've been going through the last few years and the exhaustion and how your soul may feel depleted today. Social workers, the work they do for families in communities. Trying to meet physical needs, emotional needs, uh, financial needs. Uh, first responders, uh, if you think about all that it already takes to work as a first responder in a community, now add to that the disrespect of the last few years. Physicians, they've been overloaded. Every doctor I talk to, every nurse I talk to, EMTs that I talk to in our church, uh, they're just overloaded, and you know that when you call and try to get an appointment. I had a, a friend the other day say I tried to get an MRI. It was scheduled four months out. So you know the hospitals are overloaded. So that exhaustion, and then financial managers, and I I was a little frustrated that pastor didn't make the list, but uh, you know, on Thursday night, we had Date Night Comedy. Who came to Date Night Comedy? We had a great time. My buddy Johnny W. is here, and I got to be honest with you, it's something I need to confront you with a little bit. Uh, He opened up his set by saying, the thing I love about this church is you don't have one of those good-looking preachers. He said, you know what I'm talking about, perfect teeth, perfect hair, good style. That's not Ted. (laughs) He said, I grew up going to a church with an ugly preacher. And I don't know if you remember growing up, but all of us had ugly preachers. It was part of the ministry, right? We trusted ugly preachers. And I'm not saying Ted's ugly. He's somewhere in the middle. (laughs) And I don't know what hurt more. The jokes or your Laughter. But I was deeply saddened by the whole thing. I shared that in the first gathering, the number of people coming up. You're not that ugly. Thank you. Thank you. My mom was in the first gathering, and she hates all of you. And, I, and I'm going to tell her what you all did in this gathering as well. But whatever your job, whatever your career, whatever your family status is right now, and I'm thinking about some of you in here. We have a lot of students that have returned ...to the Ozarks in programs and in college and uh, many of you are dealing with homesickness right now. And I'm with you. I, three weeks ago, dropped my son off at Liberty University and uh, I'm feeling it too. And, and this I have to remind you, uh, part of the Christian life is that joy and sorrow are travel companions. And I think we understand what it means to travel with both of those. And so you got the joy of a new season starting and it's exciting... But then you got the sadness of missing friends and family. You got the sadness of another chapter closing. Uh, I called my son the other day, and, and this is how he answered the phone. When I said, Hey, Carson, he goes, What up, pimp? <laughs> what, are you, what are you learning at Liberty? He goes, "Dad, it's a term of affection." And so now I I guess I end my calls with, "See you, Carson," and then I text him, "Love, Pimp Daddy." I don't know how to I don't know I don't know how to have the conversation. I don't know if he's trying to make me miss him less. I have no idea what's going on. But what are some of the causes of emotional exhaustion? Real quick, trauma. Something from your past. That you have carried with you. And we've looked at this. You're 0% to blame for what happened to you. But you're 100% responsible for your healing and treatment of other people. And that uh, emotional exhaustion has led to sleeplessness. And you don't get a good night's sleep. And the tank is still depleted when you wake up. There's been a financial crisis. Some of you, the interest rate's going back up to 7, 8%. And you tried to sell a house. You're wanting to buy a new house. I talk to people that move to the Ozarks all the time. They can't find a place here. Some of you are going through a separation or a divorce and you wake, ev- wake up every day completely and totally depleted. The pandemic, we don't talk about this enough, and I know some of you want it to be over, never to be discussed again. But it did take a toll on us individually as a church and as a nation. We're still feeling the effects of it in the workplace. Some of you receive a diagnosis. You were fine until now you're trying to figure out. What am I going to do next? How am I going to be prepared? How is my family going to be prepared for the future if something happens to me? Some of you have a new baby. You get new baby exhaustion. I encourage you, lean into grandparents and friends uh, for this level of exhaustion. There's school. Some of you now are taking on school and deadlines, and you're starting to feel that. So what are the symptoms of these causes? The symptoms are anxiety and depression. That's why I love the anthem that we sang today, I Speak Jesus, Over my family, I speak Jesus. Over all anxiety, fear, depression. And we looked at this last week from Paul to Timothy, right? The the physical effects of all of this exhaustion on you. That the stomach aches is what young Timothy had dealing with the pressures of ministry. Headaches. Some of you, when you're feeling all of that and all those causes, lack of motivation, commitment. Or just moodiness. We want to start today with a primer. If you've been at our church for uh, a number of years, you know, we are not afraid to talk about the heart. I didn't grow up in a church that talked about the heart. My church never talked about it. We were all Bible. We were all truth. And when anything we were feeling, you were just supposed to stuff that, not discuss it. Don't be, Definitely don't be led by it. Don't uh, allow it to make decisions for your life. Don't be led by it and, and all of that. And so we're not afraid of it. But, but here's what we know about the heart. Number one, Jesus is my source of life. And I am called, in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. When we come to worship, worship should stir your affections. Worship music makes us emotional. That's okay. As we're going to see today in the Lament Psalm, Psalm 13, as it was read already by Mandy, we should have our emotions stirred, but our emotions should be stirred for Christ and toward Christ. So we're not afraid to speak about the heart with all of your soul and with all of your mind and we know he's our true and only source of life. We say it around here all the time. Jesus is your source, Satan is your enemy. If you want to experience high levels of relationship satisfaction, of marriage satisfaction, never treat the other person like the source or the enemy. We know first John 4:16 says we know and rely on the love God has for us. We want to be as full of God's love. I want your emotional tank to be all the way at full. And we said it last week, and we're going to say it all five weeks. Even if you're not feeling that right now, you're not toward that right now, that you will leave out of here today or at the end of this series and at least have a plan for it. What does it mean for you to know and rely on the love God has for you? We're going to see that clearly today in the Lament Psalm. Number two, my words and actions reveal what is in my heart. Reveals what's in my heart. And the Bible says, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. It is the wellspring of life. We went through a pandemic, and it's true of any crisis, financial crisis, a divorce, any, uh, anything that hits your life. It's, whatever's coming out of you reveals what's in there. So we know that that is my words and action. It's the source of all that. Number three, my heart is where my time and money are. You've heard it said: If you want to know what someone's passionate about, look at their bank account. See where their money goes. And Johnny said, "Obviously, mine doesn't go towards clothes." Really, again, appreciate it. You can tell I'm a little wounded by him, and he'll never be back for date night comedy. Just so you know, I hope you enjoyed him. Uh, Matthew six twenty one: For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the heart. And here's the bottom line: We're not afraid of our emotions. But the bottom line is, I don't want to be controlled by my emotions. That's the difference. Uh, A word picture that we use at our church, we call it the us bus. And this is the sources, the influences of decision-making in our life. And we say at Woodland Hills Family Church, we always have scripture driving the bus, period. But there's a lot of other passengers. And they make good passengers. They make terrible drivers. Tradition's good. We can honor tradition. We just don't allow tradition to drive the bus. We don't put tradition and scripture in the driver's seat together, as some churches do. You, I mean, some churches get very passionate about their application of scripture, turn it into tradition, and then they preach it as though it's the scripture. We, we can have it in the front seat, we just don't allow it to drive, because ultimately the driver determines where we end up. Your experience, I can learn from your story, but your story never becomes my authority, Hey, I can learn a lot of great lessons, but that's not going to drive my bus. Reason, my mind's ability to work through things. And here's emotion. Carrie Bronner said this uh, this morning, yeah, my emotion is in the backseat laying down taking a nap. (laughs) Emotions on the bus. We're not afraid of it. But here's the bottom line with our emotions. We listen to, express, and care for them, but we never allow them to drive the bus. We never allow them to make major decisions for us. And you've been in that moment where you've been overwhelmed because of your emotional exhaustion. The Gottman Institute has studied over 40,000 couples over the last several decades in what they call the Love Lab. And they bring these couples in, and they don't counsel them. They just watch them fight Could you imagine that job every day getting up? What are you doing today, honey? Got six couples to watch fight. Oh, boy, you come back full (laughs) at the end of the day. And here's what they describe as emotional flooding. Emotional flooding is when your body has a physical and psychological reaction. You're overwhelmed when you're emotionally flooded in a conflict. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. We even call this a trigger. Your body senses danger during a conflict And this is when your fight or flight kicks in. You're just overwhelmed. And I'm telling you, emotional flooding is easier. It happens quicker when you are emotionally exhausted or depleted. They go on to say, your heart races, you feel out of breath. Your jaw or muscles clench, so your body tightens up. A few more of these symptoms. You have a hard time hearing your spouse or friend or family member. You struggle to focus on anything outside of your own racing thoughts. You want to scream and say negative things, run away or ignore your spouse. You might say things you don't mean. This is when we're emotionally exhausted and emotionally flooded. And you've experienced this. And and really a loving and caring person, you know what they do? They, They observe that in you and shut down the conversation. The Gottmans say we have a number one rule in our marriage and it's simply this. We never fight when emotionally flooded. Why? Because all it's going to do is cause damage to the relationship. And can I just add this in? Uh, we're emotionally flooding ourselves with social media. We are. We're not meant to take it in. Amy and I were talking about it yesterday, and she said something that I wrote down. I've been carrying this notebook, taking notes, and I was on the phone with her. I was in Florida, and she was here in Branson. And, and there was a moment I paused, and I guess it was a long pause, because she asked, Are you listening? And I said, "Oh, I'll wait for this! Not only am I listening, I'm taking notes. <laughs> Checkmate! I got this one." And this is what this is what she said: "You and I are not wired emotionally to know what's going on in every country, city, church, and family in the world at all times." I just need you to know that you do not have the capacity for that. It is emotionally flooding us. We get online and you see the people that are venting, whining, complaining. And every time I see it, I'm like, ouch, that person has a spouse. Ouch, that person's... Has coworkers and bosses and family members. Are they hearing that all day? Listen, you think venting is helping. But what we're going to see today is in lamenting. Lamenting is where you and I want to go. The Gottman say, everyone has their own built-in meter that measures how much negativity and fear they can take in at a single moment. And I guarantee you, in your closest relationships, yours is different than the person you're in relationship with. And if you want to be a loving, caring person, notice that in the other person. When they just don't know what to say, they don't know how to respond, they clam up. It says, when it becomes too much, the nervous system goes into overdrive and we essentially enter fight or flight mode. So what can you and I as believers do when we are overwhelmed, flooded, exhausted, depleted? We don't know where to go. We don't know what to say. We are going to turn to our Heavenly Father in lament. And the Lament Psalms, I I love studying the Lament Psalms. They have this basic outline. So this is just a basic structure of a Lament Psalm. The Lord seems distant. When I pray, I don't feel like anything is happening and my prayers aren't being heard. We're going to look at that. My heart aches. I'm in pain. I have deep sorrow. This is not a comfortable time for me. The trial, the affliction, the turmoil that I'm in, I'm just hurting. And and the bottom line is, people coming against me seem to be winning. And it goes back to, I'll just say it, God, you don't care. Some of you are like, can we have this tone with God? We're going to see how. In Psalm 13 today. Because the, the key with the lament psalm is ending it with the confession of trust. Pour out your soul in the confession of trust. I will trust God's loyal love. So for the people you read in blogs or online talking about worship music's become too touchy-feely, there's nothing wrong with expressing deep pain or emotion in worship so long as it leads to a confession of trust, of who God is, and the promises he has made to us. So let's jump into Psalm 13. The question, how long, Lord? And some of you are asking that right now. This relationship crisis, this marriage crisis has been going on for years. How much longer? And we've looked at this a lot. This we know. This is the promise of God if you're writing promises down. It's only going to be for a little while. And you know what we mean by little while? It's only ever going to be in this lifetime. It'll never follow you into eternity. You're like, that could be years. It could be, but that's a little while. The answer that you've been crying out for. Because, see, we, we, we want immediate. We know that when we pray. This is pain. I want it gone right now, immediately. How long, Lord, are you going to make me put up with this? How long do I have to deal with this pain? How long do I have to go through these treatments? I have a friend that went through cancer treatments for over 22 years. And I watched God work in this man's life. And he was probably one of the most gentle, kind, loving followers of Jesus I've ever met. And it's a hard truth to remember, but God cares far more about my character than He does my comfort. And we want we we want comfort. We want comfort, and we 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 say God doesn't want you to go through this. We hear people say that all the time. But in the lament psalm, it's like, how long will you forget me forever? Is this just going to go on forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Distant, angry, we believe God is. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? You can pour this out. How long will the enemy triumph over me? You know I'm standing for you and I'm standing on your truth. And you know what's coming against me. You don't want this for me. Yeah, I just hope you see these are all questions. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. That's strong. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. But I can know for many of you in here, this is your prayer life. Dear Jesus, thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's it. I want to encourage you. I want to implore you to to go deep in your prayer life this week and start with lament. Lament. I've been carrying this journal. This journal, I do everything. I write notes. People say things to me. People catch me after service say things. I write it down, and I, I want to remember it. And, and when I'm going through difficult situations, something hit me a few weeks ago. I felt something I've never felt before. So I'm trying to journal, trying to figure out, okay, what, what am I feeling? What, and then all of that can be prayers to my Father in heaven. And I can, I can get passionate about it. And I can repeat myself. And when it's just me and the Lord, I can, I can pour myself out. And some of you are like, I usually just ask for some things, say thank you for what I have, and say amen. I'm going to encourage you to go deeper. I want you to pour out your heart on paper this week and then pray it. This is what I'm feeling. If you're dealing with homesickness, write down. I can write down next to homesickness, numb, sad, sad. Uh, helpless, like things happening. Like I'm not there. I'm, I, fe- I fear missing out. That's, a, that's an emotion, right? I can write all that down, and then, then I can express that. And as I'm praying, more comes to mind. Just get that out there, Lord. I'm going give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Verses 5 and 6. Here's the confession of trust. We've just seen the enemy is winning. I am hurting. God, why aren't you doing anything about this? It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. Here's his loyal love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And we just sang it. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Even when it has been difficult and painful. Write down what next to those feelings, when else have I felt this? And go back 10 years. Go back five years. Go back three years. And see, how has God been good to you at other times when you felt the exact same thing? And here's the key. Will you trust, rejoice, go back, and sing in the middle of it, or are you going to wait to the end of it? Because a lament, the confession of trust in a lament prayer is I'm going to trust, rejoice, and sing now. In the middle of it. The pain I'm in right now, I'm turning up the car radio, I'm turning up whatever worship song I have playing, I'm turning it up, I'm singing it now before the victory ever comes. I'm singing it now while my enemy is winning. I am singing it now while I'm in deep sorrow and pain. Why? Because I can go through times of deep sorrow and have joy in the Lord at the exact same time. Follower of Jesus, get this, joy and sorrow go together. They're travel companions. And when you lament, you are pouring out before your Father in heaven. So the bottom line is this, we need less venting and more lamenting. Get off all the crazy websites that you're on where people are just complaining about our town and get on Crisco the Table Rock Goat. I'm not kidding. Some of you are like, what's the goat? Greatest of all time? No, it's a literal goat. It's a white goat that lives on a bluff. Go see him. I I go out just to see the goat. And nobody's mad on the Crisco goat side. If they are, we're kicking them off. You think venting's helping. No, follower of Jesus, we need more lamenting. When my daughter was 12, 13 and having struggles at school, I think parents will relate to this. She would come home and share something she said to so-and-so or something that happened, and she was expressing me. And there was so much passion and so much energy in it that Amy and I would sit there and listen and be like, Did you say this to that person? Did you, did you actually talk to your teacher that way? And you know what Kern would say? No, Dad. I'm saying this to you. I'm saying this to you. Why? Because she felt safe with me. She had emotional safety with me. You have that with your father in heaven. Folks on the family did a study of a thousand couples asking them about emotional safety, and here were some of the answers that they shared. I want to be accepted. I want to feel relaxed, comfortable. I want to be able to open up fully to give and receive. I want to feel valued, understood. I want to live in an atmosphere of open communication. I want to know my spouse is trustworthy. I love this one. Having my flaws accepted as part of the whole package. The imperfections. Let me tell you, I have safety in our home. I want safety in our home that my daughter could share with me knowing this is where she's sharing it. We're processing it together because she feels safe. I want that for each one of you this week to begin to lament whatever the pain is. Pour it out. But here's the key. Your willingness, desire, level to which you can pour out your sorrow and pain to the Lord is is tied directly to what you think about him it's tied directly to who you think he is it's tied directly to the promises he's made in the book dark clouds deep mercy here's a lament definition it's a prayer of pain that leads to trust and that's the purpose it's not just venting it's not just pouring out our sadness and sorrow and taking it to the Lord pastor Brockman Rob Brockman puts it this way, lament is the wailing of the heart before a God who hears, who listens and who responds to our cries. This is not, dear Jesus, thank you for this food in your name, amen. This is, I am in pain, hear me. How long am I gonna have to deal with this? Don't, you don't need to worry about your father in heaven hearing that cry and being like, I can't believe you're talking to me that way. Son, I hear you. Daughter, I hear you. I love you. I know this is difficult. And here's a promise I will be with you through it all. I'm not going anywhere. And I know it's not easy. Sue Head says it all the time at CFO, and you've heard me quote it time and time again. Talking, this is to parents of incoming freshmen. Your children will struggle. Let them. And I always add to it it will be hard to watch. Oh, it's hard. It's not easy. And I know the struggle. I know what my son's going through, just the homesickness, being 14 hours away. I just, I just know it's part of life, right? It's part of God growing his character. And I can have great joy thinking about that at the same time I can be sad. That's all right. We don't have to. I'm just done with the, how's it going? <laughs> awesome. Nah. I encourage you this week when someone asks how it's going, don't get into your life story because they'll stop asking you. they <laughs> we'll say, how's it going? Go, that's ah, pretty rough, but we'll get through it. Ah, you know, I've had a couple rough... You know, we got to stop with the fakey, fakey Christianity. Your cliche Christianity ain't helping anybody. God hears your cries. What you think about God determines your approach to Him. This is so key. Pastor Brockman goes on to say this. Lament is a form of praise and prayer with the intent of drawing close to God in times of great suffering and pain. It ultimately is a wonderful gift to the children of God because it presupposes a relationship with God and depends on it. Only those who can approach God in a covenantal relationship are able to lament because lament is pleading with God to act in accordance with his character and promises to us. The mere fact that we're able to approach God in lament is a sign of intimacy and hope. And that's why our worship must move from what we feel about ourselves. It's great. We can have that in our worship music, but it has to end with what we know to be true about God. Our confession of trust. A.W. Tozer put it this way. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. Louis Giglio talks about this. He talks about all the different pictures people have of God. Some people think God is like grandpa. Just this cuddly guy, you jump up in his lap, he says a few nice things, and then you're off back to your parents' house. Some have the ATM God attitude. I go to God when I need something. Some people see God as the no God. He's a cosmic killjoy, just out to take all my fun. Some see God as the good buddy. He just wants me to have fun. He just wants me to sail through life, and he's just there to walk with me in the sand. Scorekeeper God, he's going to get me. And it's good and bad. And hopefully when I get to the other side, I hear this from people all the time. I hope when I get there in the end, my good outweighs my bad. That's not how it works at all. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of your work so that you can't boast about it. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And then some of you still have the stained glass God. God that he is just somewhere in a building, and so you have to go to a place. And this is where we worship. Worship is more than day of the week. What we did today, worshiping together corporately, it's more than just a gathering once a week in a building. You take this with you throughout the work, and I hope you add lament to your worship. My emotional health requires a regular checkup on what I believe about God and the voices surrounding me. Some of you know the quality of this emotional gauge and whether. Some of you are depleted because you hang around the wrong people. The people that join in on your venting and the venting isn't getting something off your chest, it's just making it worse because those people jump in and add to it and you leave depleted. And you know this. You go to bed at night after scrolling social media for an hour or two, you're depleted. You're not filled, you're not recharged. What I believe about God and the people reminding me of it. I asked you to read through First and 2 Timothy as homework. And uh, some of you thought we were going to cover all 10 chapters today. Uh, but I wanted you to see in there the struggles, the leadership struggles, the challenges that come in the church. Then in Ephesus and today uh, in Branson and around the country and around the world. And that's why Paul was saying, I want you to be healthy You need to be well so that you can minister well. The resource challenges, the leadership challenge, the people challenge all that's going to drain you. In 2 Timothy 1, 5, and 6, we read, I am reminded, this is Paul to Timothy, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, meaning you have a, a legacy that's been passed on to you, Timothy. They taught you the scriptures. For them, scripture was in the driver's seat. You keep scripture in the driver's seat. You continue to preach the word. You don't back away from it. I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Remember your calling. Some of you are really going through it right now. As you lament, let me picture a special future for you. Be reminded of your calling. Students who are just getting started right now in Branson, you're you're on the front end. And there are going to be times you question everything. Remember the God who called you here. Remember the God who called you to what you're doing now. Don't quit. Be resilient through it. Bounce back from the professor that says something you don't like or the rule that you don't care for. Bounce back from it. Because I love when Paul says this, and I'll end with this. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I, I have a lot of favorite hymns. I sing hymns. I sing hymns very loud as I drive down the road. And one of my favorite Baptist hymns. Do we have any recovering Baptist in the room? <laughs> Make some noise, recovering Baptist. Okay. You'll know this one. What a friend we have in Jesus. Kent, don't sing it. I'm going to read it. Don't get ahead of me. He always, he's ready to belt it out. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Everything. Oh, what peace. Can I encourage you? It's what Amy and I pray every single night before our head hits the pillow. Peace of heart and mind. Because we know what's coming the next day. I know what's coming for you the next day. Father, peace of heart and mind. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Good lament. Good reminder of lament. It's not what a friend we have in Facebook. It's what a friend you have in Jesus. Who walks alongside you and carries you through it all. I hope you pour out your heart to him this week. I hope you you write it down first. Write it down, everything you're feeling, the pain, the sorrow, the difficulties, and cry out. Maybe if you're in a place where nobody can hear you, out loud, let the volume be raised in your voice. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for uh, this discipline. I pray we practice it as a church. I pray it's part of our worship. I pray we... uh, come to you boldly in your character in your promises we gather corporately to remind one another of those truths for you are the perfect father and we are so grateful and we can come to you and share with you things we would never share with other people we can pour out our hearts to you why and we can sing we can rejoice And we can trust through it all. And for that, we are grateful. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day they confess with their mouth, believe in their heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, that they would be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And for that, we're grateful. We love you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray it. Amen.